This is the apartment of a man named Jeffries, a news photographer whose beat used to be the world. Right now, his world has shrunk down to the size of this window. He's been watching the people across the way. Nobody seems to pull their blinds during a hot spell like this. He knows a lot about them by now. Too much, perhaps. In a world where laughter was king on the edge of space. Ludicrous speed! Go! To get together, have a few laughs. Masters of the universe! Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining in to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. And I am one of your hosts, the Rental King, Ron Avis, and I tend to drink the booze. Whoa, booze? Oh, drink of the booze. Booze? Did I say booze? That means booze. I That's... believe that it's our Hall- It's October, and it's our second week of our Halloween spooktacular series, where we have four haunted movies. And I love nothing more than talking movies with my co-host of the North. That'd be me, Adam Peterson. Al, and, you, uh, you were right in there. I drink podcast water. And you That's drink podcast I water? <laughs> I drink podcast water, and I know I know a few things. I know, you know some things. You keep me in check. You keep me. You keep me uh, right right where I need to be under your thumb, paying attention because I can just exactly ramble right off. where I want you. Rear window, <laughs> 1987, starring Ted Ted Danson. Yes, <laughs> I would watch the crap out of that movie. <laughs> Directed by the, the master of suspense, of Bob Saget. <laughs> oh yeah! Man, no, no, no. Guessing. No, if you if you listen to our week one episode where we talked about the Nightmare on Elm Street three Dream Warriors, we teased our next film, which is and you you know from clicking on this episode, you see in the title right there, Rear Window from 1954, the classic yes. Alfred Hitchcock film. Uh, Written by John Michael Hayes and starring your boy, James Stewart. James Jimmy Stewart. Also Grace Kelly, Wendell Corey, and Raymond Burr. With others. There's some others. But those are some other folks. Those are your big ones right there. Those are the the biggies. And and really it's just like an acting tour de force with just James Stewart. It's kind of like his vehicle. Uh with 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 uh with with the great uh, added addition of Grace Kelly as well. Yes, it's the two of them Absolutely. mainly. Two of them mainly. Uh, Rear Just window. The two of them has a ninety-nine percent on the tomato meter, uh, with seventy-three total critics, pretty much all unanimously saying that it's awesome. Uh, movie did not win any awards during Oscar time, but it did accumulate a ton of nods. Uh, best director. Alfred Hitchcock, obviously, best adapted screenplay, best cinematography, best sound. Uh, it, it was nominated for a lot of a lot of awards, but didn't actually win, which is pretty strange. Once you garbage, <laughs> it's garbage. <laughs> Pishaw. Uh, this is a this movie was actually inducted into the National Film Registry uh, by the Library of Congress in 1997, which recognizes films that are culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and and has been um, I don't want to say parodied, but it's 
you know, there have been many movies that have taken their nod from this film, uh, such as the 1984 Brian De Palma flick Body Double. Uh, also, I've, you know, people have said that the uh, the 93 Sharon Stone movie uh, Sliver uh, is is a is a lot like this movie, but I I think it's mainly like if you're you know of a younger generation, if you've seen Disturbia, the Shia LaBeouf movie, yes, I mean that is like a total remake of this film. I mean, very it, much so. It is a decent st- remake too. It is, yeah, it's actually really good. I recommend it. Uh, but there, there because are a lot there was of, a remake. Yes, yes, and uh, there there are a lot of uh, you know moments from this movie that remind me from you know uh, scenes from other classic horror movies Uh, and i'm like oh that's where this came from (laughs) you know and we'll exactly to continue with the theme of you know changing things up a bit on the cinemasses of the universe i thought it might be fun since this is a film personal to you and you have mentioned this a couple of times in previous episodes i thought why not let you drive so i'm actually going to hand over the keys to you and I'm just going to sit back and, and uh, I'm going to let you take the wheel this time and talk about one of your favorite films, uh, as far as I know, of all time. I, uh, I'm also going to do the entire thing in Latin. So, <laughs> <laughs> because I took two years of that in high school and I've been waiting for it to pay off. So, I, I figured this would be the perfect opportunity for that. I think that our listeners would appreciate that a lot because I we have a right. high Latin speaking listenership. I think people people really like you know it's often been said that Latin is a dead language, and that's very true, and no one speaks it. So, um, and we don't have any may, listeners. So, <laughs> it, yeah, it's a bold. A, a lot of people, um, mo- mostly me, have said it's a bold choice. Yeah, uh, to do the entire thing in Latin, um, but sometimes you got to make a bold choice. Sometimes you just got to put it out there and say, "This is what I'm doing, world. What do you got to say about it?" Fully support Nothing, that. That's what I thought. Fully support that. No one's here to tell us we shouldn't do this. So yeah. we made a terrible mistake. Because <laughs> no one's here. That's the thing. That's the best part. No one's here. It's just us. Yeah. I think we're alone now. <clears throat> so rear rear window. Rear window. Yeah. Uh, when you because when you first when you approach me with this this idea, I um I my mind immediately started rushing around because I especially this time of year I watch a lot of a lot of horror movies. Uh, and it's just one of those things like October, cause it, you know, it's such a, it's 31 days and it's, it's the perfect time of the year to watch scary movies. Cause once you hit November 1st, it's just Christmas through the end of the year. So it's, it's hard to, you, this is the time to squeeze it in. So when you said, all right, well, let's do this. I'm like, oh, I got to narrow it down to two. Hmm. And right. so. We, I, we I, each get two picks. You uh, exactly. I took the first. Uh, this is your first. And I think as we'd mentioned last week, we, we already have determined what the final choice will be, like the yes. final week. So uh, I, I will reveal my next pick at the We've end of the that, episode. And the then teaser. Yeah. And then you'll just have to just try and guess you'll, what that you'll fourth have to movie will be. This. <laughs> you'll, you'll have, have to, to wait to two more episodes. <laughs> and... and and um, I'm going to put everybody on the honor system here that you have to actually listen to the entire podcast to get to the teaser. You can't just take the little the little bar and scroll all the way to the end so you can hear Ron's teaser and, and not listen to anything we have to say about this movie. <laughs> you actually have to listen to the whole thing. Ugh. That's how we can make technology do that because of computers. Let me ask you, uh, Adam. Um, yes. 
when you watch this movie, do you do you have like a black and white version of this film or or I, I have a, a color version. Color, okay. Well, because yes. it originally had to have been it was released in black and white originally, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, I was trying to th- I I didn't do any research to find out whether that's true or not. But a lot of these, I mean, this is 1954. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to say that m- movies, a lot of films from this era were still in black and white. So, and it, the, and it has that, um, you know, Turner color, you know, what, what, what's the, the, oh gosh, Ted Turner colorized technique that, you know, was like all the rage in the, in the eighties, like when he, yeah the Turner classics and, you know, he, he acquired all of the, movies from that library and, and like all of the movies got the colorized treatment and they have that they have that like you know um like f- instagram filter effect you know like everything's yeah, kind of like washed over <laughs> and um well because with with this movie one one of the pieces of trivia in the original print of it because uh, it, it it aired it was in theaters 1954 and there was like a i believe it was a 30 year moratorium uh due to uh, various different reasons before it really aired like on TV or anything. It wasn't until 1984 that they, they started airing it on TV and, and things like that. Um, and part, part of the reason was that the, uh, the original film was damaged, uh, I believe by water. They were able to restore it. Um, but, uh, one, one of the things, um, and this is just, just be on the note of the colorization of it. I think one of the reasons that I, I that I would find it, especially having seen it in color that would be unfortunate to watch it in black and white, though I do love black and white movies is the, the Jimmy Stewart uh, between Jimmy Stewart, Grace Kelly and uh, uh, Wendell Covey. All three of them have very, very, very blue eyes, mm-hmm. but just the, the Jimmy Stewart, I mean, just bright blue eyes, especially because so much of this is from the, the pers- his perspective. Yeah, it's like Paul Newman, you know, like you look oh, it's it's just the best. Right. And so I would I would uh, in in knowing that. I mean, if I just could watch it in black and white, I, I would be semi oblivious to it, but in having seen it in color knowing that that's there is like I feel like you'd really miss you know, without that colorization. Did, didn't now nah, you I I when you you talked about just a moment ago that the film was uh, sort of like lost to you know new viewers for thirty years. Yeah, uh, weren't weren't there some other Hitchcock movies from that same era? That yeah, also... he, there were five of them. Yep. Yeah, and and I think Vertigo, Vertigo was one of them, right? Vertigo is one of them. Uh, I think actually, I think all four because Jimmy Stewart was in four uh, Hitchcock pictures, and I think all four of his. And I want to say one other one. Um, I want to say maybe Dial M for Murder, which is another Grace Kelly one. Um, yeah. But I know all four of Jimmy Stewart's and then one other one were all kind of in this, had a moratorium. They were lost for uh, a while. Yeah. Um, which is just, I mean, Hitchcock has a pretty expansive catalog. This this actually was his 41st film, um, which what, is just What was of, your introduction to Hitchcock? I'm just curious. Uh, I think the first Hitchcock film I ever saw... I want to say it was probably Psycho. Oh, okay. um, and Because that was the other one. Like, Psycho, I would say, is probably more of a, a classic horror movie. Um, it, it's one of the ones I think he's probably best known for. I remember uh, as a kid um, going to uh, Universal Studios down in Florida mm. and uh, doing, they had like a Psycho tour. You could, you, you could see the house up on the hill 
And yeah. uh, I think I got a t-shirt from that. It was just, oh, cool. it was one of those, because uh, I remember as a kid on Nick at Night, I used to watch the uh, the Alfred Hitchcock show. That Yeah, um, that, that was, was that, my introduction. I was that was probably the first place I ever saw Alfred yeah. Hitchcock. Psycho was the first movie I think I ever watched. I'll um, never forget that, like, dun, 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 dun. You know, that yes. theme. And then he would. You have that little outline of his face yeah, and he, his right. shadow walks into mm-hmm. it. Yes. Like a little silhouette that would pop into a frame. That That is how. And I, I guess, I don't remember. I just, I, I remember that being a thing on television. I guess it was Nick at Night. And yeah. uh, I, I, they, they just played what films or were they, were they TV shows? Like, were they like anthology they, shows? Yeah, they were actual. Cause, uh, um, who is it? Uh, Cornell Woolrich that wrote um, the story for Rear Window. He wrote a couple of, of the episodes. He he was a um, a well known mystery writer. So that I think they just had a series. I mean Hitchcock probably wrote some of them, but they were just stories, mystery stories. Okay. Um, little you know, uh, I think it was. Uh, I want to say it was an hour long um, show. But yeah. I can't totally remember. Um, but yeah, it it it, it felt like a. Uh, more of a, a real world, real life Twilight Zone. Like there uh-huh. was always some kind of, there was a twist to it because that's what yeah. Hitchcock was f- famous for. But it was um, less uh, spiritual sci-fi than than, uh, right. than like a Twilight Zone. No, no pig face. Yeah, no. <laughs> there there weren't there weren't as many. I mean, there were some fairly unfortunate looking folks that that you know would come and go from time to time. Um, not that Hitchcock considered himself to be that uh, attractive of a man. Anyways. He lost a bunch of weight. He at, did during the making of this film. I was reading because he's a very large man ordinarily. He was a port. He was a portly fellow. Did you ever see he the was, uh, film where Anthony Hopkins played? Uh, I did. I love that movie. It's really good. That was a really good. That That's, was a really good Hitchcock. Yeah, you, you might want to. I, I would also. I would kind of recommend watching that. Yeah. And and if, you know before we get too far off subject, I would also recommend this film and then. Uh, suburbia, yes, <laughs> or not suburbia, uh, disturbia, disturbia. It's, thanks. It's like a double six feature. Six one half another month. Do that as a double yeah. feature, man. That'll be a fun, fun evening of, of movies. There, I would say you are you uh, skip the uh, the remake of, uh, of Rear Window with with Christopher Reeve. Go Ooh. ahead and just pass on that. It's it's not going to do you any favors. Trust me. Well, as we as we established in the last episode, when uh, I had said let's do, let's do Nightmare on Elm Street three, and you were like, let's how about we do them all? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to exactly. prepare. So, what I did is I watched every movie that Alfred Hitchcock directed. Yeah, um, ever. Uh, no, actually, I, I was going to say you watched that. every every I version watched, of this of this film. <laughs> I, yeah, every every potential version of this. <laughs> No, the the sh- Disturbia is um, is a genuinely um, enjoyable film. Yeah, uh, and and as much as much grief as a lot of people give Shy, and some of it's deserved, but yeah, um, he, I think he catches a lot of uh, undue flack just for maybe some of his more public shenanigans. Disturbia was was a really decent movie, and he did a really good job in that. Yeah, yeah, that was like his big, you know, non Transformers commercial like back back when people were trying to put him in everything because they were just convinced he was going to be the next you know big thing you know because you know he was in the indiana jones movie and uh just every he was everywhere and then he kind of just went off the grid 
Uh, I don't want to. I want to. Yeah, be nice. he started. <laughs> he started. He started doing because he's he's got a very artistic flair to himself. Yeah. And I think I think what happened was once he, I, I wouldn't say he's one of those guys that fell victim to his own fame, but I think maybe sort of at least for a little while, like um, believed he was more of an or, an artist than he probably should have. Yeah, and I, I think, well, I think he was him, just trying to shed that uh, yeah, Transformers was, image so desperately. He he wanted to. Uh, I mean, because a lot of people knew him. I know from his Disney show, even Steve, Stevens. Even is, Steven, you know, yeah. so he, he I, it, it, I think you're right. I think he really was trying to kind of make a little bit of a different name for himself. Like, hey, I can do other stuff besides being goofy or running around with CGI robots. I can do dramatic <laughs> stuff. I can yeah. do this and that. I don't have to be the sidekick to other A-list movie stars. Yeah. Even though he was really good at it. Yeah, he he was fantastic. But he's like, no, no, I want to be like Joaquin Phoenix of this generation. <laughs> yeah, and he he could because he he's had a string of like really interesting movies come out of the last couple of years. But you know what? This this is not a, the Shia LaBeouf podcast, although we, we but it is Ron. It is. <laughs> we <laughs> I was waiting the for just the right on you moment. Guys, again, high five. <laughs> oh man, you just we just keep reinventing ourselves. Okay, so yeah, back back off the tangent. I just I was curious uh, where you um, how how you became like uh, a Alfred Hitchcock fan, and and was it yeah, was I, it Jimmy Stewart that brought you in, or was it you know like what what was your what what was your favorite first? Was it like Jimmy Stewart in these Hitchcock movies, or did you like Hitchcock movies because you already enjoyed Jimmy Stewart and he's in a bunch of them? I, I and I think I think really if if I go back to it. I think I think it was one of those. Uh, I kind of had my own metaphysical, you know, Reese's commercial where I I was I became aware of this world of Alfred Hitchcock movies after Psycho, and yeah, you know, probably. I mean, I think my primary exposure to Jimmy Stewart initially probably would have been It's a Wonderful Life, yeah, um, and then Harvey. I think was probably because um, Harvey's Harvey might be my favorite um, Jimmy Stewart movie of all time. Um, uh, and it was one of those when I realized that there was a crossover between Hitchcock and Jimmy Stewart. And I was like, cause even, even then, like, cause I've, I've seen, um, I had seen vertigo. I've seen rear window a number of times. And, uh, uh, the man who knew too much, mm. uh, rope was the only other one, which I hadn't seen before. And actually I watched this one the other day when I was doing my Jimmy Stewart binge. So I, I watched that Alfred Hitchcock. It was his first Alfred Hitchcock movie. Was Rope? Apparently, Alfred Hitchcock uh, was really taken uh, by uh, Jimmy. He was one of his favorite actors, I think, to work with. Apparently, yeah they they were they had a very interesting relationship, very symbiotic uh, relationship between the two of them. Yeah, and and that was uh, that was I mean one of the things about Hitchcock is when you when you watch especially a lot of his bigger because uh, he ha- he has a lot of a lot of movies. Uh, that people just never even heard of. Um, he's got so many. I mean, because there's, I mean, there's Psycho, The Birds, Rear Window, Vertigo. Mm. Um, there, there's a lot of them that people are fam- semi familiar with. But he's got so many movies. He just he would churn. I mean, it was back in the day when it's like you could churn these things out relatively quickly, and he was a, a pretty deft hand at it. Did he, he finance had, these movies himself primarily? Uh, some some of them, I think he did. Some of them. Um, because uh, it, it was funny. Uh, one of the things when I was when I was going behind the scenes, 
um, Cary Grant uh, was supposed to play the role that Jimmy Stewart ended up getting in Rope, which was funny because it was so they did this switcheroo in their uh, the first one, and um, uh, let's see uh, the uh, I think it was I think Vertigo was his last movie with Hitchcock, and mm-hmm. he wanted to do um, North by Northwest after that. But then it went and to because, Cary Grant instead. It, it went to Cary Grant because yeah. Vertigo did not do well commercially, so they kind of flip flop. Because, um, but that was that was the thing. Hitchcock was very loyal to the the people that he considered friends in that industry, and mm-hmm. so it was like he liked working with with people. Um, and it was unfortunate because after I, I think after I mean it wasn't necessarily the commercial failure of Vertigo that caused Jimmy Stewart and um, Hitchcock to not work together anymore, but. They after that they didn't have any other business, mm. uh, which was, I think, unfortunate. <clears throat> but um, but yeah, um, Hitch, Hitchcock was he was one of those guys that uh, you know because, um, um, and I I don't I I I was torn between Rear Window and Psycho because Psycho is such a classic horror movie. Um, there's there's it was the first time that a toilet was ever seen on on <laughs> in a film, which is. Uh-huh. You know, scandalous. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's a toilet flushing in this. Well, no. There's some scandalous moments in the rear window. I would say. Yes. Yes. Really. I, I I was watching the film, and there, it's particularly in the beginning of the film when you're being introduced to some of the window art. So, you know, some of the some of the characters. I guess you'd say. Yeah, I'm like, could, could they get away with this? This is what? <laughs> this is pretty. Oh, they got away I'm with it. Clutching my pearls here. Wow, for a 1950s I, film, Mrs. Torso. Hello. <laughs> and I, I believe, if memory serves correct, when she, because uh, uh, she was, she was just uh, starting out. Um, uh, Georgine Darcy. Yeah. Um, I oh, White Machete told me she was only 17. Yeah. Yeah. 17. You're like, right. ooh, that's a. <sighs> it's, uh, it's a different time, I guess. Uh, like, can 17's can be, like 30 back then. Come on. Can we be, can we be woke? Yeah. People were dying early. So 17, <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, you're pretty much already 40. <laughs> you're over the hill at 17. <laughs> so this. This is, I mean, I've seen this movie a number of times because yeah. I, I enjoy it so much. This was your first time viewing it. So I'm, I'm curious, what are some of your initial reactions to the movie, this being your very first time? <clears throat> um, well, I, I, I had an idea of what to expect, but at the same time, I was surprised by a lot of what I saw. Um, I... It, I was really taken aback by the beginning of the film. It was I. It, it starts out so um, fancy, like footloose and fancy free kind of sort. Of, you know, like the way it kind of gets off to its start. Uh, it, there, there's no like like oh, this is supposed to be scary and suspenseful, right? And like none none of this. It it really took its time to get to the suspense. Yes. Like it was a very very, as people would say nowadays, a very slow burn to to actually get to anything suspenseful i feel like not maybe maybe into the third act almost like i want to say before really i felt any sort of suspense and it was just i i really liked how you got to know like you got enough time to get to know just the three or four main characters that you're going to be spending any time with and you you don't even hear 
aside from like maybe a scream or, you know, just some sort of ambient conversation um, between the neighbors uh, that Jimmy is you know, spying on through the back rear window. And uh, I just it was it was really it was fun. You know, I just I had fun with it. It, it reminded me of how like when I watched Breakfast at Tiffany's and I just couldn't imagine myself being entertained uh, or even charmed by some of the characters like I did in that movie. I, I actually went, yes. I went and watched it twice because I liked it. And uh, I, I went ahead and watched uh, Rear Window twice. I watched it twice because I enjoyed it. Um, I it it's 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 tricky to watch a movie for the first time that's this old because you know there there are just other go tos I'd probably go to first. Oh yeah, I feel like this movie would be a lot more rewatchable if I had some sort of experience watching it like with my mom or dad. Um, or like a grandparent or something, you know, I feel like if I had that experience, it would have been a lot more memorable to me or maybe I I just, I don't know if I'll ever go back and watch it again, but I totally appreciate what it went for. Totally appreciate. And, and the villain, the villain was really good in this too. Uh, Oh, Raymond Burr. (laughs) Every, I mean like, um, he's a creepy guy. He, he. Uh, my, I, I absolutely love because I was, um, in in flip flopping our roles here. Like I, I watched it and I, t- I took notes because normally I don't take notes. I just, you know, I, I rely, on, I rely yeah. on my cunning wit. Yeah. To, uh, <laughs> to fill in the blanks. Yes. And so I was like, all right, I, I need to, I need to make sure that I'm, I'm taking some notes here. And I, I, at one point, Raymond Burr is genuinely menacing. Yeah. I it's think it's the it's the glasses, man. They're like they're, they're yes, they're spectacles, but they're tinted. Uh, and he's a very very large man, even from oh, yes. far he's, away. You you see the size of him, uh, and just the uh, the um there there's a couple there's a couple of scenes. Uh, I think specifically towards the towards the end when. Uh, when the dog is found to be dead mm-hmm. and every, everybody's freaking out and the, the whole apartment complex is coming, coming to life and everybody's coming out. There's a scream. And so everybody's mm. what, what's going on, what's going on. And, and Thorwald's the only one, you know, Jimmy Stewart knows hey, there's only one person here who didn't come out to <laughs> see with the, the, the right. everything was going on. The and then you just, you just <laughs> see that, you just see that cigar, you see that orange light just kind of come on. It just fades in and fades out, and yeah. you just know he's sitting there in the dark smoking a cigar. I'm like, yeah. this man is terrifying. Yeah, and he's just sitting there smoking. Yeah, yeah that 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 was effective. That was really effective. Uh, and I, I mean, do do you want to? I guess do you want to talk about the characters any at all? We yeah we can we can jump in because like, uh, like what is Jimmy Stewart's character really? Uh, so we've we've got we've got the the immortal Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Um, who's one of one of my favorite, especially old time actors, but one of my favorite actors of all time, just because I love Jimmy Stewart. Um, he's like the he George plays, Clooney of the fifties. <laughs> he he kind of. he reminds me. He's he's like he's like one part George Clooney and one part Tom Hanks because he was Ooh, just yeah. He was just I mean like everything he did, he was just likable. Oh yeah. I mean like Very it was so. like, and everybody that talks actually about Tom him, Hanks is a really good. 
uh, analog, I think. Probably much yeah, better than, than uh, like a George Clooney. <laughs> well, in his, because in, in his younger days, um, you know, he, uh, uh, he and Peter Fonda were, uh, were good buddies even before Peter Fonda was Peter Fonda. Um, they, they came up together and so, and they, they were known to be fairly rambunctious as, as younger fellas. And so they were, they had, they had a little bit of a reputation as being a playboy. So it's, it's not, it's not an un, undue, uh, comparison uh, to like a, a, a George Clooney. Well, Grace Kelly apparently was really taken with Jimmy Gr- Stewart and Whoa. said something Jeez. along the lines of the, he was just like the most masculine yeah. uh, man she'd ever laid eyes on. And when I think of Jim Jimmy Stewart, now I my Jimmy Stewart has kind of been ruined by the the 90s parodies, you know? Yeah. Jim Carrey doing like this mushy character and you and you know, you watch a movie like Rare Window and you and he's doing that mush, but he's not an old feeble man, but he's still got yeah. that mushiness to him. Yeah. Uh but it's it's easy to see why he would have been like a sex symbol even you know because he's he does he's he's got the the way about him he's very easy uh you know he's he's a he's a good looking dude he's got a he's got an easy way about him which is why i was thinking like you know like a george clooney but uh he he is also very uh likable and uh, seems like accessible and approachable like a tom hanks yeah uh, and uh, he's i uh, mean just uh, in this movie he plays the character lb jeff Jeffries, everybody calls him Jeff. Yeah, um, and uh, um, he's he's a uh, photographer, got a broken leg, so he's laid up in his apartment. It's the start of week si- uh, week seven of his seven week um, rehabilitation after his uh, his cast is put on. So he's in a wheelchair. He's got uh, he's got an in house uh, nurse who comes uh, Stella. She comes and takes care of him during the day. And otherwise, he just he just sitting around watching the watching the world go by in this little uh, this apartment complex that he uh, this is the building that he lives in in this shared court, courtyard between these four different buildings. I like how the movie <clears throat> actually opens up with Jimmy with beads of sweat on his forehead, yeah, because it's so damn hot, so hot, and you got the uh, the couple across the uh, courtyard who actually sleep. <laughs> on a mattress on the out on their balcony because yes. it's so hot it's just so damn hot and you kind of get that pan across of his apartment and you you sort of learn everything you need to know about the character in this like little pan across uh you kind of just like busted up camera still sitting out for some reason yeah uh, you got all of the uh photos like the, i guess the photo that got it, him injured with the race car like with the coming race car, apart yeah, yeah that is really cool uh, and then it just sort of pans around and yeah, he's just in this little apartment and he, you find out that he's, uh, one of these, uh, you know, photographer journalists who they don't stay put, you know, like they're, they're just, they go to On wherever the, the, yeah, they're wherever, wherever the action is, is where he's going to be. And he's not going to have roots anywhere, which is interesting because he does have this like beautiful love interest, <laughs> which might be a good good entry uh to you know talk about grace kelly well and um yeah the, so you you've got in addition to jimmy stewart you've got grace kelly who uh, for for my money you know 
you've you've got Marilyn Monroe, you've got you've got, but I I got to tell you, I mean, especially this, I mean, I'm partial because of this movie, uh, and Grace Kelly did three movies with uh, with Hitchcock, uh, this Dial M for Murder and To Catch a Thief, which she did with Cary Grant, um, all great movies. Um, oh, but, I might have to check I mean, those out because that was. I, I liked her. <laughs> oh, yeah. She, I mean, to, to Catch a Thief is another great one. She, because uh, Cary Grant plays a retired cat burglar. Um, and it, it's a phenomenal film. She, but I mean, there's just, I, I tell you, I mean, there's just something about her, her presence on screen. Uh, I mean, I think that's because uh, I think I was texting you a lot while I was rewatching it. And it, it's one, I mean, I think one of the reasons, even though it's, it's got a slow moving start to it, is, you really could, I mean, like I could sit there and I could listen to Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly just talk about stuff for days. And I would be under mm-hmm. just like li- their voices, their cadence, the the ebb and flow of the conversation. I was just like, I don't even care what you guys are talking about. This is just yeah. interesting to watch. You guys just kind of go back. The, the, the die. And I think that that's one of the things I was, I, I harp on that I really love about films from the fifties and sixties is you don't have a lot of big fancy special effects. This one is all, I mean, this one set, which is a massive set. Oh, yeah. But it's, I was it's all this one I, set. I did not know that this was a set. I, I actually was fooled into believing that it was a real apartment complex, and it kind of yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> they did Seven fully the, functioning apartments. Right, right. But it was all under, all under a roof, a soundstage. They had to rip out the basement to get the 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 courtyard or whatever. To that that was actually in the basement. Uh, but yeah, they spent a good chunk of money of their budget to construct was, this, was, this this it, apartment complex. Was the equivalent of like seven or eight hundred thousand dollars in today's money? It was just, wasn't it that it, much in that money? Five, or maybe like it was fifties uh, money. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, it was an exorbitant cost. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, it was. And it had like a thousand lights, and they had it. They had it rigged. From what I was reading, that you know they they could simulate four, basically four times of day. Yeah, uh, morning, like you know, noon, dusk, night. Like they they could with the lights simulate that. And apparently, it was truly hot. Like it was really friggin' hot. So hot, in fact, that it like triggered their uh, the sprinkler system or something. And like, yep, yeah. So. And I mean that's that's and that's a total Hitchcock thing because Hitchcock yeah. was a huge control freak. So having, I mean, he literally control every could control every aspect of the film. Primarily, he was up in uh, in the apartment where Jeff uh, Jimmy Stewart's character was. He was just holed up in that apartment with him, controlling. No, he had every, a cameo his, too in typical. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was, was the, about twenty six minutes in. Yeah, he he winds the clock right. Yep, wasn't that him? Yeah. Yep, over in the the songwriter in the songwriters, uh, yeah, it was yep. great. And that was that was one of the things. Um, I I I think there's a few films he doesn't have a cameo in, but that was one of the things he does mm. in a lot of his movies is he has a cameo. Yeah. Um. He uh after I, I don't know I mean he he got to where he would do it fairly early on, especially once people knew that he was kind of notorious for doing that because yeah. he didn't want people not paying attention to the movie. He sure, wanted them. Sure. So he would have his little cameo. People, like, oh, there's there's Hitchcock. There he is. Now we can get on with the thing. Now we found Waldo. Now we can watch the we movie. We found Waldo. Uh, I it, I remember you texting me because uh, I think I was telling you that I was also I, I had watched it and I liked what you what did you what is it that you typed I don't know if I can. If I can pull it up, actually, 
It was it was just like something like is there any I'm just trying to paraphrase. It was like is there anything more enchanting than like Grace Kelly? <laughs> like Oh, my my gosh. I like <laughs> she, it really it really is. I mean, she is just she is the epitome of enchanting when it, when it comes to this cuz I mean just she just kind of she just how she moves her I mean every her look just everything. I mean, even well, it's even the Madonna if, early '90s look. Honestly, yeah, I think I feel like she adopted that Grace Kelly kind of look when she was doing a few of her, you know, early '90s videos. Yeah. She she like um, express yourself things like like that look. I think that was the Grace oh, Kelly yeah. look. If you want to, I mean, if you don't know what Grace Kelly looks like, and you if you want to watch some like old Madonna videos from early '90s, like I think she was patterning 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 god bless i can't talk hey i drink <laughs> it's the alcohol kids don't yeah. worry but no she she was going for that Mar- uh, grace kelly look and marilyn monroe too obviously from like you know uh material girl and all that stuff but she she's awesome she's really good in it she she and it and it, it, some of it bothers me too because it's that sort of uh manhattanite sort of accent that you get with yeah. this period of time like there's there's this elegance and grace and uh it it bothers me a little bit i don't know why but <laughs> not so much not so much with her like i know i think she's from philadelphia originally so it's not too poured on too thick necessarily but i i did i did really enjoy her princess grace of monaco grace kelly yes and uh, her apparently Jimmy Stewart's wife did not want not a fan, uh, <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> she was not a fan because she had a reputation for having. She affairs. had a reputation for being a bit of a philanderer. And if I were Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly was hanging on me like that, hey, uh, you know, I mean, if I'm a method actor, honey, I gotta. <laughs> you, you you couldn't you couldn't blame him. No, by by any stretch of the imagination, it's like. <laughs> if if you if you were fortunate enough to be receiving money to spend your days in the company of Grace Kelly, then you have done a lot of things right in your life. Like, hey, yeah, uh, yeah. could we could could we shoot that scene again where Grace Kelly's just kind of like laying here and we're just kind of like she's uh, could we're we just, just do like, like cheek uh, to cheek and and yeah necking, could we do that scene necking. like eight thousand more times? <laughs> I feel like we didn't really get it. Can we Kubrick this one? Let's get it. Let's do it until we get it right. Yeah. So you got you got Grace Kelly and Jimmy Stewart and the nurse. What what was the nurse's name again? I, uh, uh, Stella was the the character's name. Stella. Thelma Ritter played her. Yeah, she was great. I really liked her. She um, she there was there she kind of completed well between her and then uh, uh, Wendell uh, Covey who played uh, uh, what's his face. Uh, Thomas Doyle, the, yeah. the detective between the detective between friend. the four of them, right? Yeah, the the four of them had a really great dynamic for sure. Yeah, that 100%. it was, and it was just it was kind of like you know adjusting the thermostat uh, personality wise. Like you would just kind of move, like all right, let's put Stella in here. It's just Jimmy and Stella. Now it's it's Jimmy and uh, and uh, Grace Kelly. Mm-hmm. Now let's add Stella, and so you just you got these different layers to the way that the characters interacted. And because she, she was kind, of, I mean, she kind of felt like um, you, you've got these, you know, kind of like you said, these Manhattanite suave kind of characters. 
which Grace Kelly, um, her Lisa Fremont character was definitely that. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Stewart, he might he might be a little bit more uh, a little bit more streetwise, but Stella was kind of like this. She 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 felt like she was like you know she's Brooklyn. Oh she yeah, she felt like yeah. She's she's got she's seen she was some working things. class blue collar yeah for sure. She's and I like that. And she just played a good it so old well. Brooklyn gal. <laughs> she yeah she just you know, she was just a, a good white broad you know. <laughs> <laughs> just a tough white broad. And, you know, I, I was getting like strong Alice vibes from like Brady Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Big yeah. time. Just, oh, yeah. Just a wise, just a, just a foil to, to a, you know, Jimmy's character, really. He didn't put up, he didn't, she didn't take any guff. She's just yeah. like, you know, she's giving him shit for looking at uh, Mrs. Torso. Miss like, Torso, yeah. Yeah. Who, you know, we, that gives us an opportunity, I guess, really to, to talk about the, uh, the, the neighbors, the people that he is spends the majority of the film spying on really. And the yeah, voyeurism so- and how really, really the, the meat, the fun of the movie is him just going from panning from open window. And like nobody ever closes their blinds or anything in this movie. Yeah. The, this whole thing is just, everybody's <laughs> like on display for the world. And, and I was like, sorry, go ahead. Even, you know, even when even when they do, they don't. Like at one right. point when Miss Lonely Heart sh- shuts her blinds when she's on her date with that guy, <laughs> it's like they're not really shut. Like you just, I mean, no, you can still see through there. I could still see in your apartment. Like I don't know what you think you're obstructing my view of. Like it's like I one of those scenes from as. the Office when they like close the blinds, but you can still see yeah. and hear everything. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm still getting the full benefit of whatever's going on there. <laughs> right, right, um, but. And it, it it was just fun because, you know, you get that early on pan across where, you know, I was talking about, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so scandalous. And, you know, you see Mrs. Torso uh, doing, she's a ballerina, a dancer, I guess. Yep. And uh, she's wearing like the shortest of short shorts. Uh, yeah. And is topless. She's actually topless for a moment, you know, back, back to the camera and everything. But you yeah. know, she, she's like bending over and like looking in the fridge and dancing around. And I'm like, Holy crap. Is this like, is this like masturbatory material for like young boys in the fifties or what? <laughs> this uh, is a, was this the Skinamax, uh, movies? Like they would only play this is, night. This is body heat. This is body heat for sure. And uh, you you don't ever get to really hear her except like I said maybe earlier before like you'll you'll catch some like little ambient sounds like you don't you don't even need to hear really I mean sometimes you hear the yeah. neighbors but for the most part you can just tell what's going on and and there there are scenes where uh, you know Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly are are just openly commenting on what's happening uh, through the balconies of these apartments. Like, well, and that's that's the uh, that's one of the things. Um, that's kind of enjoyable about it is it's the with with the uh, the backdrop you have you have their scenes together which are so dialogue rich you know they're not just like back and like hey how's your day yeah, it was okay it was, <laughs> right it, I mean like they use words people don't use it's like, Aaron Sorkin like for sure yeah and uh, it, the one of my favorite things <laughs> when the the first night when when you're first introduced to Lisa and she comes in, she's all dolled up. Mm-hmm. She got the big white dress, the eleven thousand dollar dress. Yeah, and um, she's she's got the lobster thermidor for uh, 
uh, for Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. And she, all this, this big fancy to do. Right. And uh, they have their whole back and forth. And by the end of the evening, he's, he's sufficiently spurned her that she's, she's like, you're not, he's like, she says goodbye. He's like, don't you mean goodnight? Mm. And he's like, you're not, you're not going to see me, you know, not. And then she goes, not for a long time. And he's yeah. like, no, when, when will I see you again? Right. Not for a long time. And yeah. then she he, pauses. he doesn't want, he doesn't want to get serious. Like he even says at one point, it's like, can we just keep things status quo? Yeah. And uh, she, you know, she, she wants to get married and uh, he's actually really just trying to, I think, um, uh, save her from a life of things that she's just not he he at least believes she would not enjoy like yeah you 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 wear like three inch heels and you know beautiful dresses and eat lobster dinners and like everything's perfect where like i'm i'm gonna be in the rice patties and like you know eat i don't you know like the food that i eat you you wouldn't even want to look at uh you don't want any part of what i have to offer (laughs) you think you do you think you like me but really and truly and part as part of that snappy dialogue, I, I really enjoy. She's like, "Do you have to go so far as to make it sound so despicable or whatever?" And he's like, "I was trying to make it sound good." <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah. that that dialogue is, I mean, it's so compelling, and it, it just it keeps you entranced. The way that they talk, the words they choose, how all of it flows back and forth. Yeah. What what I, I like the contrast of is the rest of the rest of this whole movie. Like you said, the meat, all of these other characters. You get nothing. There's, There's no, no dialogue. dialogue, right? It's all visual. You it's have to interpret. It's just him talking to himself. If anything, yeah. so you have to. It's you know he's interpreting what he's seeing, and so you have that that lens that you're kind of simultaneously seeing it through while you're. I mean, you, you're coming to it like you know, and and it's it's uh, when when I was when I was watching it, I was I was uh, I'd notated it before, but I was making a note to how all of all of these different people that he's seeing are kind of different aspects in in sorts of representations of of the back and forth relationship that he has with Grace Kelly you have the newlyweds mm-hmm. um, you have Miss Torso and then you have the songwriter and they're both kind yeah. of struggling and then Miss Lonely Heart they're all kind of in these singular roles where they're kind of looking for something it's interwoven yeah like that yeah you know when when lisa was commenting on like the song and that she was trying to say how beautiful it was and you know like then i guess like they were trying they were struggling to to get things just right and then you know like they, they they was incorporated into their conversation in their relationship you know like yeah i can't i can't remember exactly what they would say but there there was a lot of uncomfortable you know, digs at one another. Yeah. In particular in the early in the, now later in the movie, like when, when the things start to get a little juicy and, you know, Grace Kelly, like Lisa and, uh, and especially, um, uh, uh, Stella, they're, they're kind of starting to buy in on Jimmy's theory of, of the murder <laughs> or yes. what's happened to the wife, uh, of, of, uh, was it Miss Torvald? Thorwald? Thorwald, yeah, yeah. So it then it just sort of becomes fun, you know. Like they're they're not yes. bickering at one another anymore. They're sort of all on the same team. They've got a very Scooby Doo vibe yeah, they to do. them. Like they, they have all a kinda... Scooby Doo Incorporated vibe going on for sure. So yeah, so there's there's Mrs. Torso. There's you mentioned Mrs. Lonely Heart. You want to yes. talk about that character? 
Yeah, Miss Mrs. Lonelyheart. She's she's down on the first floor, which uh, on the st- the stage they're on is actually the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just this. She's pining for someone. Yeah, she's just she's out there in the world, and she doesn't like the. She doesn't want to be alone. She's, yeah. um, and she's um, just kind of borderline desperate. You yeah, know, her story goes to a pretty dark place. At yes. The end. Yeah, she. She gets she gets to a point where um, you know you see her entertain one gentleman fellow, um, uh, and uh, they 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 get into it. He's he's very he's very physical, and she's yeah. not terribly receptive to that, and right. throws him she's out. She's looking you for see, something a little more. Yeah, like yeah. I want some substance. Yes, not and just was, something physical. It was really heartbreaking to see her have her little dinner party with her like imaginary yes. guest. Yep. You know, got everything laid out. Yeah, everything's laid out. Like dinner for you know more than one, and the candles and the wine, and uh, she's just sort of talking to herself, and then she, you know, she just gets sad and drinks and passes out drunk basically by the yeah. end of the night. So yeah, she she was an interesting character, even though you don't again you don't get a lot of dialogue. Uh, yeah, it, you, you're just observing her sad little life and yeah, what it means in in. Uh, Congress with the rest of these characters. Right. Which in direct, uh, you know, opposition to her, you had the songwriter who, which, you know, most of the time their apartment was very upbeat and jovial. And, you know, there were multiple parties going on, throwing parties, playing music. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, the guy's playing the piano throughout the movie and that, that his piano playing is sort of the soundtrack of the movie. Yeah. Which was cool. I and like it, it fit like it always it always really fit. And like, he's the struggling it, no artist. He's, he's trying to yeah. find that song in his head, you know. Like, and you, you there are multiple there are parts of the film where he's like he's in his undershirt in the middle of the night, like vacuuming, and he yeah. he just kind of like glances over at the keys and just sort of t- you know, like touches them a little bit. And yes, then, it's you know, always <laughs> calling him back. Like, <laughs> calls what is, him back, but it's he's not trying there. to figure it out. Like, what it what is this song? What is this song supposed to be? <laughs> right. Like he knows that it's in there and he just wants to get it out, yeah, but he so can't. So bad, so bad, and it just does it, and he just gets pissed and goes back to vacuuming aggressively. Yes, <laughs> that was a good scene. And in a, in very similar fashion, you have Miss Torso, who she's entertaining yeah, at times three, four different gentlemen callers who are all yeah. very interested in her. So she's she's got a very active um, home as well. And yes. And, I, and she's I even, very I, carefree. Like when she's home yes. alone, she's just bouncing around, b- bipping around oh, yeah. her apartment, you know, like practicing her dance in, in like very, very scantily clad. <laughs> very. Yeah, and so. very and very public. Fa- I mean, like even when she's, you know, like if there was any part of it that was intended to be even mildly modest because she's indoors, it's like oh, even when she's outside hanging her underwear on her um, on her clothesline, it's like, okay, this is she's just very. You know, she's this young, free spirit. It's, you know, I'm, you know, kind of almost it's there's there's an oblivious nature, but an intentional nature to it as well, to where it's like, you know, she seems like, oh, yeah, I just I'm enjoying my life. Yeah, I'm enjoying everything around young me. and doesn't yes. doesn't care if people are just, you know, of all the other neighbors. She probably would welcome the attention almost in a way. Yeah. Uh, so let's see what other neighbors you had. There were there. We think we'd mentioned the fire escape couple. Like yeah, they're, the, they're just the, always 
the old married couple. Yeah, they're just always going in and out of the apartment, sleeping yep. on a mattress. They've got she's got her little dog that goes down yeah. to the garden. Yeah, and, he, that, and that was a big scene too, because like you know there are a couple of scenes where they're they're just lowering this little dog in a basket down to the garden for it to you know go to the bathroom, and on that on that floor is where I guess. Um, the the salesman i guess is like what he's mostly referred to as yeah he he has this like really nice garden down there and the dog uh digs up the garden a little bit and uh it's not long after then the little like one of the, one of the first moments of suspense like the dog dies yeah just like turns up dead and nobody notices and well, as you'd and- already said like you know the salesman and mrs Mrs. Thorwald, Mr. Thorwald was just like puffing on the cigar in the dark. <laughs> and, and uh, because it's that like you, you see all these, you see all these characters and you see them kind of going about your life and, and you know, it, they all kind of have their, their ups and downs. I mean, like, I know, I mean, you've got the, the newlywed couple off to the side and they're, they, you know, they're presented as the newlywed couple and you really yeah. don't see them much until the end. Right, uh, he, he picks her up and carries her through yeah. like the doorway in the beginning, but by the end they're already like sort of disenchanted with one another. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> how quickly that fades. Yeah, which is you know but, that um, that was uh, Jeff's whole point of like marriage. You know, like he just didn't yeah. see the point in getting into it. You know, like spare I, spare me the uh, you know like the, the nagging and because you know he's having that conversation early on yes. in the movie with his editor i guess uh yes and uh you know like he's you know he's just like ah just you know settle down get married and he's like ah, i don't want to you know no thanks you know <laughs> this the, is the, the nagging wife and yeah <laughs> it's like you know, they might not nag where you are but up you know up in the you know the the higher echelons where they i forget what he says they call it but he's like yeah. down here in my world right they nag right <laughs> right uh, and I guess I guess that really just leaves us with the two the the, the antagonist to the movie the the character that uh, Jeff is most obsessed with throughout the, and it's it's what the film boils down to is an obsession that's sort of Lars Thorwald yeah Lars Thorwald this guy and I imagine it he even though this movie's in color he almost comes across black and white in this movie yeah. in color he's that menacing looking. He's just got a he's got a big hulking kind of yeah, like a, he's just, a, just he's like, you know, Kingpin from Spider-Man. He's yeah, just this he, huge guy. He and even because like there's kind of this general convivial nature of all of the people, the, the people, you know, kind of semi interact here and there. I mean, they're all kind of somewhat conscious of each other, but they all kind of have their own individual little lives going on. Yeah. But not him. He's just mean to everybody. Like he tells the one woman to just shut up, you know? Yeah. He's just, he's just nasty from the onset. You're like, he already sticks out because of that. Yes. Yes. I forget the name of that character, but she's also like on the first floor. The first level across from the, the, the artist, yeah, the artist, yeah. You know, he's, she's just trying to talk to him, and he's just like, "Ah, oh, shut up!" <laughs> like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what like, is whoa, this? The dude. honeymooners? This is crazy. chill out." Not, she's, not something you not very easily digestible in twenty twenty. <laughs> she's she's credited as Miss Hearing Aid on IMDb. Oh, she's Miss Hearing Aid. I got gotcha. you. Yes. So yeah, that so. Mrs. Thorwald, the salesman's wife, we see her basically only in bed. She's pretty yeah, much she's just always in bed. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he's he seems to be sort of taking care of her at first almost. He, you know, he he could just be like some old cantankerous dude from Yeah, he, from he's first what you blush. would call a douche. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But it's 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 not long before you know the 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 blinds are rolled in, not like Mrs. Lonely Hearts, like they're fully blown. Like yeah, you know, fully. Blown. You can't see. You cannot see into the Thorwall department. And, uh, and know, it's Jimmy, just curious. There's that one really cool scene where it's, I guess, like Jeff's just sort of going in and out of sleep, and he's tracking the salesman as he he leaves his apartment, comes back in the rain, you know, comes back again, and you know he's just, he's just sort of fading in and out with Jeff as he's 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 watching him through binoculars, uh, and that that's when, really, when he no that's that's when he gets his detective friend involved. He's like he's like really convinced, like he he really believes that there's some something going on between yeah. the salesman and his wife, like. And nobody wants to, you know, everybody's just like, ah, you're just, you know, you you just, you got cabin fever, you know, you, you got to get out of this apartment. <laughs> what makes you think that something could be going on? But he sees that saw, the yes, hand saw. The saw. Yep. It's pretty, pretty creepy. You know, you, get, you don't just normally have like a hacksaw and a machete and he's like wrapping it up in paper. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> uh, and I, I like, I like the way that it's constructed, um, because you you have you have Jeff who's there for all of it, so he's under this constant surveillance. Yeah, and you have Lisa and Stella that are kind of coming and going, and they're um, just as uh, skeptical as uh, as his detective uh, Thomas as yeah. as he is. Right. But it's it's the, you have this slow progression of circumstantial things that happen. That you it, like each of them kind of meet their like Stella meets her threshold of oh, that does seem kind of weird and then you yeah. get you get to Lisa's like oh, she wouldn't leave her jewelry at home and right like, all of these right, things are like right. none of this is concrete evidence of a crime but she everybody kind of slowly gets, that's not something a wife would do like, what but a, but Detective Thomas is always always until the very end at least yes you know he always has an answer always and it yeah and it's there's always something. It's frustrating too because it sometimes like he he almost like leads on his old buddy Jeff. Uh, he, yeah. He has a piece of information that would prove that everything's a okay, but he just like yeah. lets Jeff dangle for a bit, and then as he's leaving the apartment, he's like, "Oh, and by the way, there's this, you know, she 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 made it home fine, like because that that was yeah. the thing, like oh, she disappeared, but evidently, um, she went back home." And like there maybe I guess maybe their marriage was, you know, over and she went back home and then they sent the luggage. Like that that was the thing. They were tracking her luggage. Yeah. And the luggage made it back to where she, you know, like wherever she's from. And to him, like his in his detective work, I mean, he really didn't want to be there anyway. He was just acting as a friend. Yeah. So he's not gonna carry, you know, he he does his due diligence to a degree, but for the most part, he's like, nah, it's good enough for me. Like, I'm I'm done with this. Yeah, it's like, ah, uh, this is more of I, you know, I was like, if you just want to hang out, that's one thing. Yeah, like, you, you just want to drink some beers or something like him. Do you me doing do? work? Yeah, yeah, you're making. I got plenty me of work. work on my own, man. I got lots of paperwork to do. For, like these real crimes going on. This is New York City, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a lot of people that are actually dead that I actually need to solve their crimes. Yeah, not these made up ones that you're coming up with here. Yeah, um, but I, I. I guess they're you know they're the, it just progressively gets more and more tense. I I really enjoyed the scene where 
you know, there's a couple of times where Jeff is really just overstepping like his, you know, boundaries is like, yes, just, just sneak in his apartment. Like he's trying to convince his detective friend to just like break into his apartment and, and snoop around and he's yeah. just not willing to do it. And, um, I really enjoyed the scene with, um, Stella and, and Lisa, cause Lisa really, it's exciting to her. I think, I think part of it is she's sort of trying to prove to Jeff that she's yeah. not who, uh, he thinks she is. So she can hang in his world. Exactly right. And she, she really, and, and I know I've known people like they, you know, like they would look at something like this as a game and it's just exciting. Yeah. So she, she's almost like very naively going along with this. Like nothing could, well, happen. She, no harm could come of me. <laughs> she takes, she takes that note. Cause that's, that's kind of his first. And I, I like, I like how it builds to that. Cause uh, like, like you said, initially it's like, it's a it's a very slow burn. Yeah. Um and, and what I really, really, really enjoy, especially about this movie, is it creates that tension and it is a very slow burn kind of in the background as you're just enjoying things going on. Yeah. But you never have because we've talked about it before on other stuff we watch. I hate when something when there's a movie, TV show, whatever it is, where you just constantly feel like you're waiting for something to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Just because, just because, oh, it's drama. So something's going to, like, at yeah. any moment, something's just going to happen. I know something. what I rented, you know? Like, I know yeah. what's going to happen. And you, sometimes it's a shame because you really get caught up into the characters and the world and you're, you're just enjoying yeah. yourself. Uh, but you're right. You're, you're waiting for that shoe to drop. And a lot of and movies it, don't wait that long, you know? Like, they no. just right away. <laughs> they just jump right into it. And this yeah. is. That's when when you get to the point where where Jeff Jimmy Stewart's character when he when he writes his note and he has Lisa take it over there and slide it under the door while that's he and when, that's Stella when, watch from afar. Right? Yeah, you get that first. That's that's where we shift from. We're just watching stuff to now we're poking at it. We're interacting with it. Mm-hmm. We've we've crossed that threshold of this is just voyeurism to now we're going to see what happens if we interject a little. Yeah, bit. now what we're involved. If we turn, now we're now yeah. we're involved, so it's it it changes that tone because you get that you know and things go fast from there too like yeah they really go quick and so they, yeah he she draw like there's that whole you know cat and mouse like she she is nearly caught yeah delivering that note he's suspicious like you know he he you, you get to see him read it and you know he looks around and you know like. You're you're always constantly concerned that he's gonna look straight across. Like, how does yes. he not catch Jimmy Stewart with his lens? I mean, and sometimes he has like the large telephoto lens, and sometimes yes. he's just looking through binoculars, and a lot of times he's just looking without anything at all. But it 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 was like it made me crazy because like sometimes he would sort of back into the shadows, and that would be me always. Like I would yes. be as far back in the apartment as possible. I'd be like, no, there's no way you're gonna see me. Like I'm not gonna be like I'm advertising. I was like standing in my front door with binoculars, staring across the street. Right. Like, no, I'm no, 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 no. Dress as a couch. Like I'm just gonna just yeah. put a couch costume on, and there's just gonna be a telephoto lens sticking out of the cushion. Yeah. And, like, and you might look dumb. at that and go, "That's kind of weird," but you're not gonna see me doing anything. No. <laughs> well, but cause, yeah, she cause, almost gets caught. And and I love I love the way that that is shot because you do I mean like you're watching from his all of this is from that one vantage point which just makes it so great yeah and and you see her scurry down the hallway and she just 
she just goes out of view as Thorwald comes out. Like it's just, it's seamlessly yeah. executed. Right. And you have that moment where you're like, hold you like, you hold your breath. Like, <gasps> right. And it's like, okay, you know, she, you know, he's not going to catch her, but at the same right. time, you're like, because it's done the way that it is and it's done right. You're just so caught up. Even that moment, even just the idea that he might see her. Right. And, and, uh, it's, and that's, and that's why that's one of the reasons why I love this because it is, it's it's so unassuming through so much of the movie because it it is one of those like I do have to kind of acknowledge like this isn't a, like a, a classic horror kind of movie. There's no. not a lot of gore. No, this, there's not. There's that's no kind of what I was thinking ghosts. too. Like th- this is not your like when you're putting together a Halloween list, you know, because there there were movies like Jaws that I was really close yeah. to choosing, and like this these are just thrillers, you know, like there's they're just suspenseful. But yes, but it, but at the same time, it fits as a change of pace movie. Yes, um, and that's and the that, movie that really was, lulls you so much. Oh you yeah, get to that point, you really don't believe, even though like she just gets, you know, she's she's just evading him by a little bit. You really don't think anything's going to happen because you're like, this is this quaint little fifties movie, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> and the, and they happen. use they they I mean there's they're very there's some very particular moments of even uh, just comedy where there's some very comedic dialogue here and there that really kind of lulls you. Like even when you know, okay, this is going to be a suspenseful movie. It's going to be a thriller. Like it never lets you settle into that, that, that dread or that doubt because things are kind of upbeat and you're like, you're moving, you're moving along. And it's like, it's almost like you don't know that you're moving along towards that until all of a sudden now you're interacting with Thorwald. There's some really natural moments of levity in between like the, the, the real life dread of, you know, and I, I really enjoyed this scene. There, there's this one scene and, and like, you know, Lisa's like, Oh, you're scaring me. Stop it. Where Jeff's just sort of commenting out loud. Like, how do you, how do you do something like that? Chop up a body. Yeah. And it was like, it, it was so, it was such a screeching, like, or like record scratching stop to the yeah. music, you know, to hear that him say that and she's just like genuinely disturbed that he would say that out loud yeah but he's just pondering like if well how would i how do you get rid of a body and that's when they start to realize um the garden that's that's when the garden starts to kind of and that's really where the movie comes to a head i guess Um, and you you get that he's got that little uh uh the the viewer where you're looking at the the picture and going back and forth between that you can see the the picture he took of the garden versus how the garden looks and you're back yeah, and forth like yeah exactly. and you feel you feel because uh, as you're watching it and even though I know what he's gonna say because I've seen it so many times before as you're as you're looking at it you feel just like Lisa and Stella do where you're like ah, wh- what and he's like look at this part right here and then right. You're like, then you see it you're like oh right. yeah right right it's like something that we need to go investigate that we need yeah. to look into what and happened that, there? and that was a really fun scene where you know like they're, yes you know they so he calls you know jeff calls the number over and he's he he just pretty much is like i know what you did uh meet me here at this you know hotel lobby he's just trying to buy them some time yep uh so yeah so they got this whole plan they got they got i mean as, as good of a plan as you could come up with in the moment like that and so like stella's going down uh, and she's watching out for, uh, well, so yeah, uh, Jeff's actually watching out and he's, he's like, I got the flash bulbs. Uh, yep. if, if I see him come, I'll, I'll like, you know, I'll, I'll do the flash and you'll know to cut, cut bait and get out of there, you know? Yep. 
Um, and I like how that the flashbulbs come into play later on. Like that was yes. a genuinely terrifying moment for what it was and the time it was made. And I don't want to I don't want to get too far ahead, but uh, I it was it was a it was a it was a nice it was nice to see that scene because I've seen other films ape that in a, in more terrifying ways, but th- this was like a very non supernatural way to use it. Well, and that's you know because you get to like you mentioned when he calls him, and I like that it's like okay we've now we've gone further down that like okay we're invested in this now like you yeah. sent him the note yeah. that was one intrusion into this world yeah. now you've called him right it's it's not like this you know it's it's the note part reminds you like when you leave an anonymous you know uh comment on something online it's like everybody feels capable of doing that yeah but now he's heard your voice (laughs) now like even though he doesn't know who you are he can't can't trace the phone call like this is still you know still within that realm of anonymity he's heard your voice right so he recognizes it which comes back into play obviously yeah and so it's like okay there's you got a little bit more skin in the game now you're more invested in this you're more involved and then you have lisa go they they go they're down to the garden yeah. And then they're then digging up that hole. hole. Right. But they don't find the anything. <laughs> yeah. And they have like, that what? like, shit, what do we do? Wait now? a minute. And she's like, nope, I can't let it. I can't let it rest. I'm no. going to climb up the damn wall. I'm going to, I'm going to Spider-Man this shit. <laughs> yes. I'm going inside the apartment. And at that point I was like, holy shit, she's crazy. And and then like, Jeff's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I can't believe it. And uh, and then sure enough, uh, good old Lars comes back, and she she tries to hide. And for a minute, you think she's gonna get away with it, but uh, he he uh, he catches her and confronts her. And you know, like Jeff's just like, and I think Stella comes running back up at that point uh, from downstairs. Well, what, what's what's great about that scene is that's uh, at the same time as we we I think we kind of mentioned a little bit about Miss Lonely Hearts. You you have that. Um, it looks like at that moment, that's when she's about to take all those pills and she's going to yeah. kill herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have this really dramatic kind of uh, tug of war. Like all of a sudden you're, and, and they're right there visually. Like Thorwald is right on top of Miss Lonely Hearts as right. far as how these these apartments are orchestrated. Right, right. And so it's like, which one do you pay attention to? So he's on the phone with the police getting ready to call. Like she's going to take her life. Yeah. And then before you know it, he looks back up. I was like, "Oh wait, Thorwald's back." Yeah, it was just and enough I, to, I to divert his attention just yes. enough so he couldn't give her the the warning. And so now, now you have this confrontation. You're like, ah, oh. but he's on the phone with the police. Like, hey, how? and so it work it works out in that respect. Yeah, and Lisa's very quick on her on her feet as far yeah. as what she's thinking. Right, and it, it, this this leads to. Uh, it might be my favorite moment in the entire movie, especially as it pertains to the scary element of it. Yeah. Is the police show up just in time. They come in, they're talking to Thorwald. They're talking to her, trying to figure out what's going on here. And, um, Stella is talking to Jimmy Stewart. She's like, why, why didn't she just tell him what's going on? And he's like, I don't know. She's, she's too sly for that. Right. And he, he realizes cause he's looking that she found the ring. Right. She shows him the it. ring on the behind her back. Right. He's given her, he's like, ah, they found the ring. Yeah. But it, at that moment, Thorwald's like, what the heck is she doing? Yes. And it was that's the when signal. He, he caught onto the signal. <laughs> he has the aha moment. And that's, 
that and it goes to what you were talking about just a minute ago. He looks back up and there's that moment where he makes eye contact with you, the viewer, right? Because you're looking at it as you're Jimmy Stewart, yeah. And it's just this momentary thing, but it, it like it just feels like your veins run cold when you have like this the Thorwald stare for just a split second right back at you, yeah, behind those glasses. Oh my god, that every <laughs> that's that's like my favorite because it all just builds to that, and you're like, yeah. Whoa. Well, because so many times you're like, is he? Because he, he always looks around. He looks around. He looks around. You're like, oh my god, he's gonna see him. He's gonna see him. But he never does. He's always yeah, just he always sort of going him. about his business. You know, calling people long distance and making you know, like getting like just going about his life, unaware that he's being watched yes. every day, every minute. And uh, yeah, so when he when he finally does see him, and then of course, um, he frantically calls his buddy. Cause you know, like she, she's broken into his, his apartment. They're taking her to jail. They're trying to like figure out like, well, we got, we're going to get a bailer out. Uh, yeah. Call my buddy. He's going to go bail her out. He's going to pull me a solid. And, and then, uh, he's, he, he finds himself alone in the apartment. <laughs> and that's when you get the like big climax more or less. And I'll just and let you, I'll let you break that down. I'll, well, lead, leading up cause, cause it is like, like you were saying, it's it's a very it's a very deliberate breakdown because you have he and he and Stella are left in the apartment and they're trying to get the cash and so he sends Stella out to go bail her out. He's like, right. all right, you know, he's he's noodling around his head like this is just common knowledge. Like, well, let's see, it's uh, breaking. Yeah, down like everybody knows first. how much like, like what how much what? it costs to bail somebody up you for just a theft. Know how much bail costs? <laughs> that was a what? little bit much. <laughs> but so he's noodling that well, he's, around. He's like, a he's a man of the world, you know. Like he's, he he he's knows things. things. Yeah. <laughs> and so he so he sends Stella he sends Stella out to go to go bail her out, and then he calls up Thomas. And and he's talking to him. He's like, ah, I'll go take care of it. And he's dispatched everyone. And just as soon as he hangs up the phone, the phone rings again. And before he could even stop himself mm-hmm, or even mm-hmm. have any moment of clarity, he starts in and is like, would you, he, she, he, I forget exactly what he says, but he, he shows his hand at that moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he says no, something to tip himself off, right? Yeah, he 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 tips his hand, and it's Thorwald because he's looked across. He had that moment. He looked across. He he gets the phone number. Yeah, uh, yeah. Probably similarly to how uh, uh, the Jeff prey got. is now the hunter. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, and you have this. All of a sudden, everything has been kind of through this one way lens, and and all of a sudden now it's like, oh, this is a two way street. Right now, he definitively knows who's. Who's antagonizing? Yes. Who's coming at Thorwald? Yes, and so you're like, ooh, uh, he's alone in the apartment. Right, he's Thorwald in a wheelchair. We didn't even mention he's, this ever. Yeah. Like he's he's, he's in got a, a wheelchair. broken leg and he's in a wheelchair, so he can't. So he, he can't run away. <laughs> there's nowhere for him to go. Right, and then all, all of a sudden, you know, the the music kind of builds. The yeah. now you're now you are in the middle of the tension that has been silently building behind all of this scenery throughout the entire movie, weaving in and out. Yep. And now you're at that moment. You're like, oh shit. Yep. And he and then, he turns out all the lights. And, and oh, I yeah. thought it was interesting too because he just like opens up the door. It's not locked. Like this is a time when you would just yeah. leave your doors unlocked. You know, like in modern movies. You know, like there'd be like deadbolts and he would have to crash to the door, but he just like walks right through. Yeah. And it's just pitch the, black. The door and, handle turns. You watch that. And then he comes in and, and I love, I love what the do scene. you want from me? <laughs> I was like, oh, and, Cause they're both, 
they're both hidden from each other. Right, right. And and like there's there's so many of those things that you know you you could really get into a lot of the symbolism of stuff like because you have Jimmy Stewart rolls back into the shadow so you his face you can't see his face. Yeah. And Thorwald's standing there, he's in the shadow. So you, they're having this conversation, they're blind to each other. Yeah. And it's kind of like I mean it's you know metaphorical for the entire movie. It's like okay, they've been having this back and forth, but neither one you know it was, it was they were blind to each other in that. Right. And then the only the only defense Jimmy Stewart has to I mean to try and stop this this mountain of a man who's just who starts looming towards him and and as he comes out of that shadow and you see his face again in the still dark room mm-hmm. he's just this I mean this terrifying just giant thing coming at Jimmy Stewart very yeah. slowly yeah yeah and, and, and the, Jimmy's got like the 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 bulbs. The flash he's bulbs. got the flash bulbs you were talking about. Yeah. This is his only line of defense. That's all he's got. <laughs> and, he, and so, you know, and he he like pull he screws one in, pops, you know, like it temporarily blinds Lars. Yeah, he takes a step back. He sees yeah. the the orange circle and it stops right, him for a right. moment. Then he takes another step forward, another flash bulb. And, and it's, it's, it's funny because like it's symbolic. It's like you know, like in a lot of movies, like if there's a a scene where someone has a shotgun and they have the shells and they take a shot, and then they'll, they, you have that scene where like you know they have to fumble the the shells out and then put them back in and snap. Like he, all he has are like bulbs. Like he's like yeah, he's unscrews, flash bulbs. Screws one back in, covers his eyes, hits the thing, buys him another couple seconds. <laughs> he does it like five times. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's one of those like when. When you're, you know, if if you're looking at this just for what it is, is, like all you're literally doing is buying yourself maybe an extra ten to twenty seconds. Yes, it's yes. like once these flash bulbs are gone, you have no defense against right. this giant man. Because once he does get to him, he in, he very quickly just throws him yes. out the window. <laughs> yeah, he just he just comes over and manhandles him. Yeah, and fortunate fortunately, at that same moment, the police are returning to uh, the scene of everything because yes. now they have the information and now they know what's going on. And, right. And and they get and they barely get there in time. (laughs) Yes, they barely. And, you know, you got guys that are running across the, you know, they they make it to just under his window. Yeah. As he's fall, as he's being, you know, he's holding on. They they break his fall, basically, is all they they, do. And that's all they and it's it's one of like this is I I love because I think I wrote down um, just the the uh, impressive special effects. Like the whole movie is is very. Um, is kind of very, I mean, it's all, it's dialogue and scenery and that's where all the right. money was. And you get to this last, you, cause you have these flashes where you get that orange circle that kind of, it was the Hans the Gruber thing. falling from oh, yeah. Die Hard of its day. <laughs> oh yeah. And it was, it was, it was so great. Cause you, you get this, like, uh, this special effect of him, oh, falling yeah. out of a second it's story very window. Fast. It's very fast. Uh, and it's like it, he's he, he was never gonna die. I was like, right, right. It was well because it was it only he's only one floor up, right? Yeah, it's like maybe two. You're you're not on the top story here. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the the threat is still very. You know, it's like you're. I mean, because you're nobody wants to get week. thrown out of a window. No, it's like <laughs> it's not gonna feel good. But it's the best possible scenario. Like that big man could have choked the life out of him, but instead oh, yeah. he chooses to just pick him up and throw him out the window. <laughs> and and clearly, I mean, he's already chopped up one body. It's like, at this point, yeah. it's like, well, yeah. once you've crossed that threshold, it's like, yeah. all right, he's just going to chop you up too. Right, right. So he really gets and lucky in a way. So you, you, you get this this happy ending, and 
Thor Thorwald immediately is just overcome with guilt and and so he, he cops to everything. Yeah, he, he's he's not he can't. It's a Scooby Doo moment, pretty much. Yeah, it's like up. Oh. They're like, hey, you. <laughs> did you do something but yeah i killed my wife whoa <laughs> yeah jeez, uh, man like you so you were capable of murdering your wife in cold blood <laughs> chopping her up into little pieces killing an carefully take, dog <laughs> killing a dog all of these things and then i asked you if you did something wrong and was, yeah I, I killed those people yeah give me kicks yeah. he kicks dirt you know oh <laughs> uh, yeah i didn't mean to it just kind of happened but I'd mentioned well, before how that scene was pretty uh, iconic and how it had been reused in other movies for dramatic effect. I think it was Saw, the first Saw movie, where uh, there's a photographer and uh, I think the, there's like the killer, the pig face killer guy. Yes. And he, he knows someone's in his apartment and it's pitch black. Yeah. And he's like, he's like doing the flash yeah. just so he can see for a brief second. That was a really effective scene, I thought, back in the Oh, day. yeah. Like, that was genuinely terrifying. And uh, I, I remember there was a scary movie where, like, the whole plot of the movie was, uh, if or not not the whole plot of the movie. It was called, I think it was called, it wasn't Oculus, but it was something similar where it was, like, cameras. And, you know, like, there was a scene, the climax of the film is, you know, you he's taking pictures, and you, you look at the picture like a Polaroid, and it's like a ghost. And, like, every time you take the picture, like, they're coming closer. Oh, Here. that was in Insidious. Was that Insidious? Okay. Yep. But that, but it's, yeah, because you like, could see the lady, the lady that would get closer and closer to. Yeah, so uh, it's like it's like Patrick. suspense with a camera and a flash, like yeah. that, you know. So like, I know that those were, had to be directly odes to uh, you know this this. Uh, oh yeah. Very very. I mean, you know, come on. So yeah, that that's how the movie ends. Everybody's happy. There's you know the. Miss Miss Lonely Heart doesn't kill herself. She's she's in you know she's sort of inspired. She hooks by up the with song. the songwriter. She hooks up with the songwriter. Like that's her muse. And, and uh, um, Miss Torso's uh, goofy little army boyfriend comes back home. <laughs> I love that. And like Looney that Tunes was, cartoon that was character so cute. boyfriend. It was cute. Oh, uh, it just it was a perfect perfect yeah. ending to that. So it's everything like, I'm gets back tied from up the nicely. war, honey. Yeah, <laughs> little redheaded freckled glasses kid. <laughs> Andy Rooney looking kid. Yes. Right. And then, so and then you've you've got uh Jimmy Stewart lying there, a big smile on his face, taking a nap in the sun with his two casts now, because apparently yeah. he's rebroken the one right. leg and broken the other by <laughs> for good measure. from a second story window. And his beautiful fiance reading a book. And there's Grace <laughs> Kelly just laying there on on the on the, on the chair. Yeah. Just I was like, that's the life, man. Right there. You got it. Uh, the it, it's not too long of a movie. I want to see. I'm trying to find the runtime somewhere. I think what it's is, an hour fifty two. I want to say 112 minutes. 112 minutes. So yeah, that's not. I mean, you know, it's 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 not too bad. It's not too bad. no. It's and it, ne- it well. never feels. I mean, it never feels long. It never mm-hmm. feels like you just you kind of. It, it's it's it feels like you're just riding down a river. Like the whole time you're just kind of like this is just the scenery's nice. The ambiance, everything about this is just nice, and then you get to the, you get to this you know, this big dynamic ending, and it really does kind of all kind of come in this one big um, clump, and it's like ah, oh. but then you get yeah, it a, has a happy ending, really. Everything has a nice happy ending, so it's, it's not like nowadays where they would always have to end on some sort yeah. of Ooh, down down what's note the twist. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he's not really dead. Oh, this, somebody else. You know, M. Night Shyamalan is like a, a character, like a director who, you know, is just, you can't help but think of, 
him when you think of Hitchcock. Yeah. Like they're they're kind of tied together. Uh, and a lot of people like our age, he, he was, you know, you, you think of him like we, we saw all his movies when they're opening and new and contemporary to our to our friends and our time. Uh, but you, you see a lot of the nods and a lot of the a lot of the direction that he takes or, you know, inspiration that he gets from from a uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that that was fun, man. And I guess it comes to that point where I'm going to go ahead and reveal uh, what the next film's going to be. The reveal. Week three of the Cinemasters of the Universe Halloween Spooktacular is going to be the 1987 film The Gate. The Gate. Starring Stephen Dorff as a child. <laughs> From Blade. <laughs> but yeah, if you're not familiar with The Gate, it's it's just a fun little movie. You know, we'd had some conversations offline where, you know, we you would mentioned how it was similar to uh, like a poltergeist. And I was like, it's yep. almost as if a Joe Dante were to said, like, make your version of poltergeist. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's about this young boy who is left home alone with his older sister to babysit and his best pal. And uh, they uncover a mysterious hole in the backyard that may or may not lead to uh, demons. Yeah, and the end of might. the world, as you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, from 1987, uh, I want to say it's streaming currently. You may have to buy it actually if you want to. See I already it. own it, so I don't have to. No, I already own it. Uh, the gate going to justwatch.com, one of our favorite sites, highly recommended. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not streaming anywhere free as of this recording. Uh, but it is cheap. You you can buy it you on Amazon. You can buy it for six bucks. Six bucks from just about everywhere, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a it's an eighties classic horror film, and uh, that poster alone is just phenomenal. <laughs> it's like a little oh, yeah. little demon with his like basically trying to come up through the earth to get you. You got those red eyes. Looks like a terror dog from Ghostbusters. Don't don't be that person's like, well, what if I don't like it? It's no, you're, you're gonna like it. You're gonna like it, and if nothing else, you'll have fun watching it and making fun of it. Yeah. Because it is an eighties horror movie. And a lot of times oh, these yeah, movies it's don't great look 80s so horror great. Movie. But uh I, I will I will say, uh, as I've already rewatched it, I had a lot of fun with it, and I can't wait to talk about that next week with you. For this week, I've been one of your hosts, Ron Avis. And I've been your other host, Adam Peterson. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.